Let's dive into the Word today a little bit. Uh, last week I talked about Faith Works, uh, and that's the title that we've been on, Faith Works. And last week's message uh, was subtitled, Miracles Through Prayer. And uh, I talked a little bit about the fight of prayer that we just went through uh, to inherit the new house that we moved into. For 28 years, we've been in the same house, and this is a house that we built 28 years ago. So we were in the same house, and every time I, in fact, is when we moved into that house, we had just built another one previously. We moved into that house, and, and uh, I told Joel we would only be in that house about two years. I figured about two years. Um, but every time we would go to sell it, I would sense the Holy Spirit say no. And, uh, and part of that was, you know, he had some things in mind, which we don't have time to discuss today, but, but he, would bring the, he would bring clarity to his direction. And it was good clarity. It was wise clarity. And so we ended up staying there for 28 years. How many have heard the Holy Spirit say no? So, you know, in James chapter 1, it says that if we don't understand what we're going through, we can ask, and he gives wisdom. And he loves to give wisdom. He gives it out freely, and he won't, uh, he won't harass you when he gives it to you. Right? So, that's just a cool thing. So, I would ask him what was going on, and he would share that with me. He loves to talk to us. Uh, that's what today's message is on, is how much he loves to talk to us. And how cool it is when we can hear him. Amen? So, faith is the basis uh, of all of this. You know, faith is the basis of our relationship with him. And, uh, and, and faith works, right? And we should put our faith to work, yes? So, we're actually given faith to accomplish. And uh, today, I wanna, my little subtitle is, uh, Miracles Happen Through Hearing the Word. And I want to tie it into last week a little bit because I think last week was critical. It was key. And I think last week we touched on some, some elements when we talked about uh, prayer. And we talked about the importance of prayer and praying through something. And I, I related a little bit about uh, the six-month endurance of prayer, the prayer endurance of every kind of contradiction, trouble, difficulty you can imagine to purchase this home that we're now in, that I really felt the Lord said, this is the home. And then he confirmed it along the way. There were, when you're going through something, uh, you know, or uh, when you're in the midst of something really tough, uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you little uh, special inspirational words along the way. How many of you know that? And uh, has that happened to anybody here? And so, you know, that would happen. Like, you know, one day I remember, I can't remember what it was. I, I think I have some of this stuff written down, but I can't remember what instance it was. But, you know, the word came. It was either the financing has fallen through or something. But, but I, I heard the Holy Spirit say, fear not. And so I decided not to fear. How many of you know if we respond to the Holy Spirit, we're on a good path. We're on a path that's going to result in something really, really good, responding with a, a yes or responding with a, uh, an agreement to the Holy Spirit. Amen? So our focus has been Team Church. Uh, we've been on this Team Church focus, 
And uh, one, uh, and I read you the team church statement a while back, and then we've been talking about our our little slogans that are built around the pathway to purpose. So we have all of these little things here at New Horizon that, that to us they have meaning, and we want them to have meaning to you too. One of them is that we want to be healthy Christians, and we want to bring forth a strong church. And we want to see an effective kingdom. And those things are interrelated. That's part of why it's important to do what we do today because we're actually partaking of all three of those elements to a degree. We are we're investing in ourselves, becoming healthy Christians. We are together today and we're working together today, becoming and, and being that strong church. And then we're also getting strengthened uh, to manifest the word of the Lord in the marketplace so that we can be that effective kingdom. So we are a kingdom of kings and priests unto God. Amen? So, and the priestly kind of speaks to the spiritual side uh, to a strong degree. The kingly speaks very much to what we do in the marketplace uh, as those kingdom kids. Amen? So last week I was talking to you a little bit about prayer is central to our breakthrough, but I tied it to something that I think is super important. And uh, I took you to Matthew 21, 13, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I was talking to you about how when the Lord said that in Matthew 21, my house shall be called a house of prayer, he was actually talking about us as well. He wasn't just talking about the temple at that moment. He wasn't just talking about the future house of the Lord, the restored house of the Lord, the church, but he was also talking about us as a metaphor. He was talking about us, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. You should be known, you shall be known as a house of prayer. And prayer is central to your identity. It's central to your unity with God. It's central to your communion with with the Lord. It's central to your success, and, and it's a hallmark of who you are, yes? And, uh, but, but I think the question comes a little bit is, what do we pray about? What do we pray about? Last week, I was talking to you about this six-month ordeal that we went through to purchase this house, and and our house falling through, financing falling through a couple times, and you know, just the you know the stories are are the literally the stories are unbelievable. Um, I had a guy stop by this week to to look at some work on the house, and I was telling him one of the stories. The story is that you know the septic system had failed on the house, and they didn't tell us. So you know the day we the day we were supposed to sign on the house. Uh, we didn't know the septic system was failed and had been condemned in 2017, and the people had been ordered to vacate the house by Pierce County six different times. No one told us that. That was not disclosed. Would you say that could be an issue? By the way, buyers beware. Anybody here ready to buy a house? My engineer told me that this happens once a week, at least in Pierce County, that somebody buys a house with a failed septic system and it's not disclosed. And once the sale is over, the way the county rules or laws read, it's the buyer's responsibility. 
So since the system had failed, though, and the system was built way too small for the house, uh, this is one of the fun stories. Do you want a fun story? You know what this guy was doing? This guy actually dug a vault at the end of the drain field. He put in a concrete vault. He put in a pump and a timer. And then he put a pipe out that went into the county storm drain system. And every morning at 1 in the morning, if that tank had extra affluent in it, the timer would turn on the pump, and it would pump poo water out into the county storm system. Would you say that's a problem? We missed buying that house only by a miracle of God with that problem undisclosed. It was just a miracle that we didn't buy that house with this problem undisclosed. So thankfully, obviously, you see now we were able to negotiate a much reduced price, and now we have a nice, beautiful seven-bedroom septic system at the house that they wonderfully paid for. But, I mean, this is, this is some of the crazy that was attached to this. And so, you know, my prayer life was ramped up big time, right? Uh, and because I knew that this was the house for us. I knew this was what God has had for us. And then God at various times would bring me these sweet little uh, golden nuggets of remembrance, you know, like just like fear not and like it's going to be okay. And that Exodus 14 passage when I just touched my, touched my phone one night and the Lord says, take your peace, the Lord will fight this fight for you. All of this stuff was transpiring, but we had to pray it through. And so how do we pray? Last week I talked to you about uh, the Genesis... The genesis of prayer is extremely important and or the initial receiving of a word from God is extremely important. Now, I want to go back to that. And I want to talk a little bit about that. What I mean by the genesis is when you first hear from God, like us when we first walked out of that house, like me when my finger found that woman in the college annual when my finger found that woman in the college annual, I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's your wife. That's why we can't get divorced. That's why we have to solve every problem. That's why we have to love each other till they put us six feet under. That's why nothing can separate us. Why? Because I heard from God. When you hear from God, that was the genesis of this relationship. That was the genesis of this relationship. When you hear from God on something, that should settle it. But unfortunately, for so many Christians, it doesn't settle it. When we hear from God on something, and we do hear from God on something, we, we will hear from God. We will get leadings of the Spirit. Sometimes frequently we will get smaller leadings of the Spirit, like serve here or give here or join yourself to them or that's the ministry for you or or go give something, or go share something, or go pray over there. We will get words from the Lord. We will get leadings from the Lord. And when we get these leadings from the Lord, that's what it is to be led by the Spirit. That's what it is to be led by the Word. 
When we think about being led by the word, we're not just led by the written word, the logos. We're led by the rhema word, the living word, the spoken word, spoken to our spirit man. How many of you have had leadings like that? You've had, you've had the Holy Spirit say some things to you. You've had some rhema happen. Amen? Those are the things that if you hang on to that rhema, if you hang on to that word, then that word, that's like a seed. That is a genesis. That, that gives you the power to overcome. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God, whatever comes of God, whatever has its genesis in God, it overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Whatever is born of God will overcome. It'll overcome the world system. It'll overcome contradiction. It'll overcome difficulty. It'll overcome the demonic realm. It'll overcome struggles. It'll overcome, it'll overcome the doctor's report. It'll overcome everything that would come against it. If it's born of God, it will overcome. Now, our job is to believe that right there. Our job as believers is to believe that. That whatever is born of God will overcome. All hell can be breaking out against you. Whatever is born of God will overcome. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes because it's a quickened word from the Messiah. It is a rhema. By the way, the word here is rhema. It's not logos. The word here is rhema. Faith comes by hearing, and it's hearing this quickened living word, or it's hearing a word and that word made alive to you. John 15, 7, I love this one. If you abide in me... And my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Now, you guys, how many of you have read Move Your Mountains? Many of you have read my little Move Your Mountain book. Uh, I kind of talk in there about how that the word here may not even be ask. That the selection of the word ask in the translation is just one of four other selections that could have been chosen. But because we tend to be petition-oriented and our translators tend to be petition-oriented, they chose the word ask. But if God's word abides in you, then the then other translatable words for that Greek word Therefore, ask that we see in this verse could mean decree, could mean require, could mean desire. But it's based on the genesis. It's based on the beginning. It's based on the word. What did you hear in the beginning? Whatever you heard in the beginning, that's what you should hang on to no matter what. That's where life is. That's where God is. That's where your breakthrough is. That's where your miracle is. That's where fulfillment is. That's where the blessing is. Whatever God said, get back to that. 
If you don't think you've heard from God on something, get with God until you hear from him on it. Because he loves, he loves to lead us. He loves to share. He loves this. He loves this stuff. How many of you know that? Uh, I, I, love, uh, I love Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14. You guys know this one. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In other words, this, this is the way that we live now even. And it's crazy that, that God would even trust this kind of a system. That God would trust that we would hear and that upon hearing that we would follow. But he says this is how the sons of God are even led. Now, led means that they know where to go. They know what's next. They know where they're going. They know what direction to take. You ever get led by Google? Google map, Apple map, some map. How many of you use those things, yeah? You put in the address, right? And then it leads you to the destination. Yes? And he's saying here that this is how we also live, is that we, we seek to be led, and as we're led by his word, we're led by the Spirit, then we will know where to go, and this is the normal life for the sons and the daughters of God. This is normal. This is the way we live now. Sons and daughters of God, is that we are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God speaks... The Word and the Spirit are one. And so this is how we know what to do, where to go. Seems really obvious, but, uh, and, it, and it might seem super obvious to you, but, but I, I bring this out because somewhere between the Word and our walk, Somewhere between the word and our walk, walk by the Spirit, right? Walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, which means live by the word. Walk by the word. Somewhere between the genesis of that word and the fulfillment of that word, we face a lot of obstacles. Anybody face an obstacle? We will face a lot of obstacles between the genesis of a word and the fulfillment of a word. And I think that we tend to be more led by circumstances than we are by the Spirit. Now, I wouldn't bring this up if I didn't think it was at least partially true, at least with two of you. So if you're, if you're one of the two I'm preaching to today, God bless you. Many times what I think is we actually abandon God's word. Now, we abandon God's word because things get too tough. We, get, we abandon God's word because, you know, just the going gets overwhelming. We abandon God's word because if we ignore it for a little while, it kind of goes away, so then we doubt that it was even him. Do you remember the, do you remember the prophet when... Uh, when it was time to, and this is Elijah, and it was time to kind of converse with God about 
something and then hearing his voice. And so then God comes with thunder and God comes with rain and wind and a mighty storm and God comes with this and that. Uh, But his word is not in those things. His word wasn't in the circumstances. And then he came with, he said, a still, small voice. Do you remember the text that I'm talking about? He came with a still, small voice. This is part of God trying to tell us that his word is not in circumstances. His word is in your heart. His word is in the atmosphere of your spirit, man. That's where his word is. His word is... His word is near you. His word is nigh unto you. His word is close to you. His word is not in your circumstances. Now, why does this matter? Well, because uh, I don't remember the year. My wife's a better church historian. She could tell us probably more so. But um, a couple theologians came along early on, one was Augustine and one was Calvin, John Calvin, you heard John Calvin. Out of John Calvin came the Presbyterian Church for the most part, but out of Calvin came uh, a lot of other influence. I don't know if you knew, but the, the Wesley brothers were very influenced by Calvin. And uh, Calvin had a whole city in Geneva. And uh, we would say that maybe Calvin was responsible for espousing Uh, a very strong theology on the sovereignty of God. And he might have picked up where Augustine left off. And Augustine has shaped Western theology. Calvin has shaped Western theology. Uh, George Whitfield was the mighty preacher of that great awakening that took place that then the Wesley brothers, Jonathan and Charles, were given responsibility to Stuart, but... Uh, George Whitfield, he didn't want them to be the ones. I don't know if you knew this or you have familiarity with this or if you even care, but George Whitfield didn't want the Wesley brothers to be the ones that would steward the revival or the harvest of the revival because they were Calvinists, and that bugged him. And part of, part of the doctrines that have been introduced into the church out of Calvinism, one of you know, the aspects of that is the doctrine of sovereignty, that God is sovereign. And uh, connected to that, you will find other doctrines that run juxtaposed to New Horizon for sure. One of those is that, uh, you know, connected to Augustine and Calvin, is this idea that if God is sovereign and if Satan has been conquered, then there actually is no evil. That everything that happens in your life is for your good, it's for your growth, and it's God not only allowing it. The fact is when a Calvinist or an Augustinian theologian says God allowed it, that meant like not by accident. God didn't allow this by accident. Like he had this in mind. This is going to produce good stuff in your life. And so part of this, what I believe to be errant theology, and at New Horizon we're going to teach you that it's errant theology, is that God is sovereign, that is, that he's intricately sovereign, that he's in charge of all things at all times, that he's always in control. 
And of course, you will hear Christians talk about this because we've been influenced by these doctrines for so long that we talk this way. Well, it must have happened for a reason. Well, nothing happens without a reason. And well, God is in control. And we talk about this with regard to every, everything that happens. I hear Christians talk about this regarding flat tires, regarding pregnancies, regarding job losses, regarding financial losses, regarding death in their families. Mind you, we ate, we ate garbage for 60 years, but God took them home. Hello. Could mess with you real good on that one. So I think this is one of our problems is that we actually have, we have doctrines that create confusion. God gives us a word. We're supposed to believe the word, but then we've been told all of our lives, and every Christian around us believes that we're actually led by circumstances, not led by the Spirit, that you can find God in circumstances. So if it's not working out, there must be a reason why it's not working out so that you can legitimately abandon the word that God gave you in the genesis of the word when he spoke the word. And so, because, and it's too tough anyway. This is hard. It's hard to walk that out. How long does, how long do, um, it's hard to walk out of ministry. It's hard to walk out of marriage. It's hard to walk out. It's hard to walk out what I heard in the beginning. It's hard to walk out. It's hard to, it's hard to walk out this victory. It's hard to walk out this business. It's hard to walk out that generosity. It's hard to walk out that kindness or that serving or that giving. And, and so, you know, so many, you know, many times God's giving us these words that are hard to walk out until we get to a victory point to where the victory tastes like harvest. All at once, the victory is harvest. The beginning of any word from the Lord could be hard to walk out, but eventually it results in harvest. But we have this contradiction. We have a theological contradiction. Let me comment on that a little bit too. God is in control of all things, and God is always in control. Not true. The Bible says we're in a battle. Now, sovereignty, the New Horizon version of sovereignty, is that God's going to win in the end. That God is winning now, and that God will subdue all things, and God is gaining control. And God is gaining control as he puts all things under your feet. That's Bible. That's Bible. When Jesus ascends to the throne three times in Scripture, Psalm 110 and Hebrews, all these places it's in Scripture, Father says to him, sit here at my right hand until I make all your enemies a footstool for your feet. The implication is clear. Ephesians 1, likewise Ephesians 1, 21 through 23, very clear likewise that he's putting his enemies under his feet and we are the feet. So those of us that are joined to Jesus are experiencing this progressive victory. But the bad side of a progressive victory is that some enemies aren't under your feet right now.
And they're going to bug you. They're going to harass you. They're going to oppose you. They're going to oppose the word. They're going to manifest in nature. They're going to manifest in the spirit realm. They're going to manifest in crud and in stuff. They're going to manifest in your friends and your relatives. But if you pray and hang on to the word you got in the genesis of that revelation from God, then the Lord will put those enemies under your feet. So God is not in control. It's not true. The Bible says we're in a battle. The Bible says, why would the Bible say we're in a battle? If we were in a final millennium and all was well. Hello? The Bible says we wrestle with spiritual powers. The Bible says Father's putting the enemies of Jesus under our feet. The Bible says bad things are happening. But Romans 8.28 says God can bring good out of the bad. How does he do that? We hang on to the genesis of the word we heard. We fight to obtain the word we heard. We don't give up on the word we heard. We continue to believe in the word that we heard. We bask the word that we heard in prayer. We don't change our mind about the word we heard. He hasn't changed his mind. Don't change yours. When circumstances don't line up with a word from God, then we're caught in this vacillating. Oftentimes we vacillate. We allow it to shake our faith. We begin to question what we heard. We begin to talk about what we heard with less confidence. That ever happened to you? We, we, we begin to slowly abandon the supernatural instruction or direction or leading of the Lord that we received because we're looking at these natural circumstances. And we've heard the sermon on Peter a thousand times about looking at the winds and the wave. But because we've elevated sovereignty in our theology, the view that God is in the circumstances, then we allow ourselves to abandon his word if enough circumstances mount up. How many does it take for you? Five? Six? Ten? If ten circumstances mount up against a word you've heard, surely God can't be in this word. I mean, how? it's gone from bad to worse. It's going to get worse. I mean, how many, how long until we just abandon this word? Let's just let go of this thing. Let's just walk away from this thing. Our ship is going down. We've had ten bad things happen. Well, what if that was the last one? All you needed to do was believe beyond 10. And it was going to be harvest. It was going to be harvest. I'm in, a, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. The back monitors aren't working. There is no clock on in this building. You're in trouble. Oh! <gasps> No, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> really? That's terrible. Wow. Okay. Well, Abraham did this. Abraham and Sarah uh, allowed the delay to move them toward Hagar. 
So they, they begin to be moved by circumstances. And so Abram goes into Hagar and brings forth trouble. Right? Let's go to Psalm 105, and then I will prepare for my first closing. Ah, yeah, Roman, come on up. Come on up. You that are on the band, come on up. Psalm 105. This is a long passage. Ready? Starting at verse 1. Everybody say verse 1. Here we go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. Hang on. Hang on. Isn't my voice better, though? Is it better? A little, a little nasally, a little dry, but it's better, right? No? It's better. It's better. This is like week eight, but I'm doing better. Pretty soon I'm going to be standing up yelling. Because healing is mine. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all of his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continuously. Remember his wonders which he's done, his marvels and his judgments uttered by his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion of your inheritance. When they, when they were only a few men in number, very few and strangers in it, and they walked about from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. And he permitted no man to oppress him, and he reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. And he called for a famine upon the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of all his house, the ruler of his possessions, to imprison his princes at will, that he might teach his elders wisdom. Verse 19, until the word came to pass, verse 19, until the word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord will test your strength. The word of the Lord will test your resolve. The word of the Lord will test your patience. The word of the Lord will test your perseverance. The word of the Lord will test what you can put up with. This passage is to reiterate and to tell us that the word of the Lord is more important than any circumstance in your life. This is why we have to have the word of the Lord. This is, this is, this is the ambition or the target or the, this is the focus of our prayer. What are you going to pray about? I'll tell you, one of the things you should pray about, at the very least, 
You should write down every word you've ever heard from the word from the Lord, and you should be praying into those words. You can bet Joseph did. When his brothers sold him to the Midianites, when he's thrown into a pit, and then he's turned into a slave, and then he's falsely accused, and then he's put into prison. Thirteen years, but he never forgot the word of the Lord. Thirteen years, but he never forgot the word of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about just life-shaping words, life-changing words, Pharaoh-ruling words. I'm talking about serving that department. I'm talking about knit yourself to that ministry. I'm talking about give in this way. I'm talking about be generous in this manner. I'm talking about go and lay your hands on that person. Here's what I think. And 1 Samuel 3 brings this to light. 1 Samuel 3 says the word of the Lord was rare in that day. The word of the Lord was rare in that day. Why? Eli and his sons. The priest and his sons had become reprobate. They weren't listening anyway. They weren't following anyway. So God stopped talking. You want God to talk more? Not only listen better, but do what he says. Fight for what he said. Pray over what he said. Pray into what he said. Prophesy what he said. Declare what he said. Desire what he said. Get excited about what he said. Talk about what he said. Don't give up on what he said. That's what Samuel did. Samuel is laying in bed. Hannah turned him over to the house of the Lord. He's serving in this reprobate house where the priest and the sons are not listening well, not obeying. God stops talking. But he sees Samuel there. Samuel. Samuel, chapter 3. Samuel. Here I am. Come on, stand with me this morning. He's looking for a here I am person. You know what happened with Samuel? You know what happened with the priesthood? You know what happened in Israel? The word of the Lord became frequent again. The Lord began to visit the house of the Lord again. Samuel became a mighty prophet because he heard, he listened, he followed. He cooperated. He yearned for, he desired, he prayed into the word that came to him. So you can increase the frequency. Anybody in here want to increase the frequency of hearing from the Lord? We can increase the frequency by saying yes to what we've heard. And this is my prayer over you this morning even, is that some of you even heard this morning, go to that church. Wow. That's your first breakthrough right there. Some of you have heard from the Lord even. Some of you heard this morning go forward during worship and you didn't do it. Some of you heard kneel today and you didn't kneel. 
And it was the Holy Spirit trying to push you into, he was trying to lead you. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He was trying to lead you like a good Google map. He was trying to lead you into a wonderful destination. The Holy Spirit is not your enemy. He's not trying to bum you out or mess up your life. He's trying to lead you to the best destinations you could ever arrive at. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He's trying to lead you into these really amazing destinations. But yeah, we got to grab our hearts. We got to return and restore a love within for the word of the Lord. That it would not be rare, but it would be frequent that we're hearing from the Spirit. We're recognizing, oh, that's the voice of the Lord. That's the voice of the Lord. That's the voice I'm hearing from the Lord. And we're cooperating, we're praying into, we're desiring, we're requiring, we're, we're prophesying that which we've heard. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across this auditorium. I'm, I want to appeal to your heart this morning. If that's you, you want the word of the Lord to increase in your life. And as we close, I want you to come and just make your way to the front. Just begin to talk to Father. And if there's words that he's dropped down in your spirit. You felt Holy Spirit talk to you, and, and yet you've ignored them, you've passed them by, or maybe even, I'm going to say it's not even your fault. You've let, and forgive me, please, John Calvin, forgive me, I love you, but you've let a wrong view on sovereignty move you off of words you've heard. So you abandoned words that you heard because circumstances mounted up, and so you began to think, surely I must have heard wrong because seven bad circumstances on my way to walk this out must mean God was not in what I thought I heard. Today we're going to say, oh, no, no, no. We're going to, oh, Holy Spirit, right now, we just posture our hearts toward you. We repent of abandoning that which you spoke, and we ask you to restore every word that you can. Every word that you can restore, every word, every word that still applies to our destiny, our trajectory, Every word that still applies to our journey, every word that still applies to our purpose, our identity, our fulfillment, every word that still applies to your kingdom and what you've called us to, I ask that right now that you will. Oh, I want you to lift your voice with me as I'm praying this. I, I, I'm praying this with you, not for you, but I'm praying this with you, that we ask Father right now to restore those words, that he would release, refresh, reawaken, and revive those words in our history that we somehow abandoned or walked away from. If they can be revived, Father, if they still have relevance, if they still have relevance, if they still have relevance, then have mercy on us as you did with Abram. You had mercy on Abraham, and you, you brought pregnancy to Sarah, and she conceived. And even as you had mercy on Abraham in his foolishness, we ask you to have mercy on us today. Even as you showed him kindness, 
and he was able to fulfill that word. He was able to walk in his destiny. We ask that you will restore destiny words today, that you will restore destiny words today, that you will restore our trajectory, that you will restore our path, our journey, that you'll restore purpose. You'll restore us, restore us, restore us, restore us where we've missed you. For it's not our heart to miss you. It is not our heart to miss you. It is not our heart to miss you. We come with tenderness of heart right now. We come with openness of heart, suppleness of heart, gentleness of heart right now, asking Holy Spirit that you would re-engage with us, Lord, where, where, where there's been a first Samuel experience. We think of chapters 1, 2, and 3, and the word of the Lord was rare in that day because they weren't paying attention to the word. Holy Spirit, we want to pay attention right now. And we ask that there would be an increase of frequency right now, that there would be an increase of frequency of the leading of the Spirit, the leading of the Word right now in our lives. Right now in our lives, we welcome an increase of vision, an increase of dreams, an increase of hearing, an increase of the Word of the Lord. We cherish your Word. We cherish your word, and we welcome right now, as it was with Samuel, let it be that dreams and visions become frequent with us again. Frequent with us. Frequent with us. Frequent with us. Frequent with us. We posture our hearts. We don't want to be led by circumstances. We do not want to be the blind. We don't want to be bumping along. We don't want to be walking as blind, but we say, Holy Spirit, send your vision. Send your clear vision. Send the word that brings clear vision. That's what we long for. That's what we long for. That's what we long for, Jesus. Well, I invite you to keep pressing in. I invite you to keep pressing in. Make this just a place of revival for your own soul. Make this a place of rekindling the fire of communion with Father. Make this a place of just allowing him to brood over you. He wants to talk right now. He wants to talk this morning. He is affirming you. He's confirming you. He's putting his hand on your shoulder. There is a press of his identity on your inner man right now. This morning, this morning, he's marking you. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is one I love. This is one I'm proud of. This is one I'm setting apart. This is one. This is one. Let him do it this morning. Let him do it this morning. Let him minister to your inner man. We're going to worship as we do.